Well, well, welcome, everyone. Or should we say, well, well, wellness, everyone? <laughs> yep, today's episode is all about wellness, that sneaky industry veiled in good intentions and crystal eggs to stick up your... But as many of you know, we are... Red Weather Christians. I'm Steve. I'm Jen. We're here working through what drives, motivates, and inspires us to act. Whether it's a career, a religion, a family, or our own wellness, does it even make us happy? So, yes, we are talking about wellness today. I am ready to talk about it. I, for one, am ready to talk about wellness. I mean, yes, as a momfluencer that you are. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yes, this is part of your whole no, stick, right? No, 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 no. What I'm talking about is, <laughs> like, a week ago, oh, I was my. down for the count with the stomach flu, and it was awful. It was, like, the worst stomach flu I think I've ever had. I was fine. Yeah, you jerk. Or I was well. It is well with my soul. Yes, of course, because we're Christians. <laughs> <laughs> Him reference. Okay, so we wanted to start with our wellness journey. We've brought you through some money journey. Yes, and we've talked about our wellness journey a little bit. Way back in season one. But we wanted to talk first about watching documentaries together. <laughs> yeah, that's how it all began, Stephen. You see one documentary about these grotesque-looking cows and pumping milk and pus out of them, and you're thinking, RBGHT is not a good thing. I don't want to drink pus in my milk, thank you very much. Yeah, and you know what? Listen, documentaries are made with an agenda. We understand that. But we we were taken in. I will tell you what. We were taken in with that milk stuff. We're like, we're never drinking milk again. It's so gross. Well, we started with just the RBGHT free milk, and yeah. then it turned into, for other reasons, again, wellness journey, skipping a step here, let's just drink almond milk. Or or other nut milks. Yeah. I even got a really good, a really great nut bag so I can make my own nut milks with my nut bag. And I squeeze that nut bag extra hard. Yeah, I actually do have Steve squeeze it because you got to really go for it to get all the the nut milk out. So anyway, if you want uh, my nut bag reference, I'll be happy to share that with you. You just message me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's what I'm talking. That's the momfluencer in you. Anyway, so um, other influences on us early on was when we did the Daniel Fast, which we have referenced before on this podcast. But that's basically like for three weeks at the beginning of the calendar year, you fast from... Meat, animal products in general, sugar, honey. It's basically like a vegan diet, but also without sugar. And flour. Oh, yes, and white flour. So no, like, refined flours. You can't have white pasta. White rice was outlawed. No bread. Yeah. It was rough. It was really rough the first time we did it. We were we lost so much weight. I was a total bone rack. Not advising that as a weight loss program. No, by no, the no, way. no, no, not at all. Not at all. So, you know, this is not uncommon with people. You have different diet fads that come up. You have different wellness ideals that come up in your life. 
We had a friend do the elimination diet where you eat nothing except very minimal things and slowly reintegrate things and see what's wrong with your body and how it processes foods. I mean, I don't know why you have to use that voice. I think the elimination diet can be a useful tool. Sure, but I'm just using the voice because it's fads and it's diets and all that. But wellness takes on a different meaning when it affects your actual health or long-term health or ability to stay alive. Yes. Well, I would say the next thing that happened to us on our wellness journey was my mom getting sick with cancer. And so, of course, I am a fixer by nature. You give me the problem, I will fix it. So my mom gets cancer and I'm turning to my resources, documentaries or books or online articles that I can find, research that's been done. And I'm not an idiot. I'm not Just looking up on like Pinterest, you know, like how to cure cancer. But I am looking up a lot of stuff and I'm I'm trying to be smart about it. And one of the things that I read in one of the books that I read was that sugar feeds cancer cells. You've probably heard that before. It's a pretty common piece of knowledge at this point. And so my mom and I got together and I remember talking with her and, you know, obviously we're both distraught at the the news that she is sick. And so we decided, hey, we are going to control her diet because that is something that we can do. And I will say this, we were both aware at the time that this very well may not work, but on a psychological level for us both, it gave us a sense of control when a lot of other things felt very out of control. And let me stop you right there, because in the whole grand scheme of wellness itself, it seems like that's what it comes down to. We do things to feel like we're in control and help our mental well-being. True. And for my mom and me, we knew that this was something that would help us mentally. So for our mental wellness, we were trying to affect her physical wellness by eliminating certain foods from her diet. So gone was sugar. And I I remember one time she had been in Tennessee living with her cousin, and we drove up to bring her down to stay with us in Florida for a few weeks. And on our drive, I think we were in Georgia, we stopped at one of those, I don't know, like Magnolia Plantation, where it's like right next to a gas station, but it has all the stuff. Pecans. Pecan rolls, <laughs> pecans, like all the jams and jellies and... Country stuff. Quick side note, if you've never been on I-75 in Georgia, it has egads amount of billboards. Oh, it's awful. It's an awful drive. It's so ugly. So yes, they flash magnolia plantation and pecans and all sorts of pecan things and items and and peaches. peaches. Hey. (laughs) Yeah. So you know it's coming. Anyway, we stop at one of these places to get gas and like we go into the store And I get some pecan rolls because we've actually never stopped at one of these places before. (laughs) So I'm thinking, hey, let's live it up. And we get back (laughs) into the car. And I remember my mom wanting so badly to taste some of the pecan roll. And I was basically saying, no, no, you can't because it has sugar in it. You can't even have a bite. You can't even have a taste. And I honestly, I don't remember if she did have a little bit or abstained completely, but I do remember that I was kind of being bossy about, no, you can't have any because it has sugar in it. 
And going back, reflecting on my life, that is such a regret. It's so silly. And I just feel so stupid that I was like that. And I think that's part of what we're talking about today is wellness being an illusion of control because it isn't really. We feel like we have control when we do these diets or whatever, but we still really don't. And that's like the big lie. One of the big lies of the wellness industry is that if you just do these things, you can have control. You can take control of your life. And if something bad happens to you, you can control the narrative of what happens next. Right. If you wanted to think of various versions of this, you might think, oh, I'm not part of that wellness culture. Just think about any program or regimen you've bought into, whether just mentally or monetarily. Did you continue to buy a certain product because you thought it whitened your teeth? Did you buy a certain product because it said it helps reduce the risk of cancer because it has antioxidants in it? I mean, blueberries are delicious and they have antioxidants. All of that is feeding into wellness culture. Or even something that you don't think of associated with wellness, but it's like, oh, well, I drop by Starbucks every morning to get my latte because that is helping me mentally start the day. And it makes me feel good to have that kind of ritual. And so you're telling yourself this narrative of this is for my mental wellness. So what about your coffee addiction then when you start every day with a cup? Is that I don't when- pay $4 for a Starbucks drink no, no, every no. morning. I, I, but, but you don't have a Starbucks here. Second, <laughs> but is that still that routine? Is that something that you would want in your life or advocate for or defend? Yes, I do want my coffee ritual in the mornings. And now I'm regretting bringing up the Starbucks example with Mr. I don't drink coffee over here. But I I love my coffee ritual in the morning. I buy my coffee beans from the store, the grocery store. It's nothing crazy normally. Sometimes I do get expensive beans, I admit. I'm just saying we are here to have a conversation about a lot of different things to question the things we do, and if they actually make you happy. Coffee can do that for you, but to still question. It's okay why? to question it. But why? I, why do we do that? I definitely believe that coffee <laughs> makes me happy. I look forward, when I go to bed at night, I look forward to my cup in the morning. I mean, I just look forward to seeing you in the morning. I don't know if that's not good enough for not you. Not good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Anyway, so moving on, uh, That was really a wake-up call, though, when I was looking back and thinking about that, that story with my mom and the pecan roll. And yeah, I realized, my goodness, I can't fix everything. And if you remember, my mom did pass away from cancer. So obviously, the controlling her diet didn't end up helping. And I don't think it even extended her life at all anyway, either. So... I I reflect on that. I think about that. And I ask myself, what can I learn from that experience moving forward in my own life so that I don't feel pulled in to this wellness culture thinking that if I buy this product or if I complete this regimen or fill in the blank that I can fix the problem. Because as we mentioned this wellness culture, what we're really referring to is Wellness as an industry, 
It is all about money. At the bottom line for all of them, they might mean well and they want wellness for you, but they are making lots and lots of money off of you, hopefully thinking you are better off because of it. Right. And it's such, it's good intentions, it seems like. You know, take this, do this, buy this, and you will have a better life. And who doesn't want a better life? I mean, hello, I want a better life. I always want a better life. I'm always trying to better myself. I got a good life right now. Yes, but we always want better. <laughs> we're, I mean, we're still learning in life. And that other weird word called contentment. Okay, okay. But I'm just saying it's good <laughs> to continue learning and trying to make some changes to better your life. But the other thing is, yes, it's an industry and ultimately they are making money and they're profiting off of our desire to better our lives. But like I mentioned before, it is also that illusion of control. And we just want to remind our listeners that just because something happens to you and something's going on with your body or whatever, A, it's not necessarily your fault. Sometimes things just happen. And sometimes we just get sick. And sometimes we just get diseases. And sometimes we just get cancer. So it's not always your fault. And B, it's not necessarily something that's even in your control after you find out about it. We're going to do our best and go to the doctors and take the medicine or clean up our diet. I certainly think that's a good idea and exercise and sleep and all these good things. But we can't fall into the trap of thinking that we can control it 100% and that we can fix it necessarily. Some things are fixable. Some things are not. And anecdotes don't help either side. Did you have something more to say about that? (laughs) Well, I'm just saying, like, somebody who says that you can control it with their whatever anecdote story they have about, I lost 58 pounds by drinking these shakes every day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, that's a great anecdote for you, and that might be a miserable existence for somebody else. So they, it's just, at the end of the day, it's still just an anecdote, which is an informal fallacy. <laughs> We do want to dive into different types of wellness traps. There are the traditional wellness traps that you are well aware of that are plastered on advertisements. They are the newsworthy wellness sticks. Primarily, here's one that we grew up with, a diet fad that in the 80s... Everything was low-fat, no-fat. Low-fat yogurt. Low-fat milk. Low-fat ice cream. Low-fat cookies. Low-fat wheat. (laughs) What? Right, they did, but I would I say that because it's ridiculous. Doesn't have fat, but you'd see low fat or no fat on a thing of bread. Oh, right. Just because like the product naturally doesn't have fat, but then they were like, "Well, why not advertise that? No fat. Oh my gosh. Wow, this yeah. bread has no fat." Yeah, that's a fad. When normally it never has fat anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. So, and we look back and and maybe avocados were demonized because they're full of fat. Back then, I never grew up eating avocados. I just remember, I don't remember who it was, but some celebrity, maybe it was on some reality show or something, was talking about, you know, taking it easy with the guacamole because it's just so fatty. And I remember thinking, you're an idiot. (laughs) Avocado's so good. 
And good for you. And usually if you make guacamole, you're not putting any weird bad things in it. I mean, maybe some salt, but yeah. Lime. Yeah, good stuff. Cilantro, yum. All good things. Or what happened more recently were sugar substitutes. Well, it's still happening here in Ecuador. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it's happening all over the globe. You cannot buy, if you want to just get a soda and you're like, I want to drink an unhealthy drink. I want to drink a soda. I just want to. And you make that decision as an adult. Good luck even finding a soda that has real sugar in it here. It's all fake sugar. Lots of it is fake sugar. She speaks in the hyperbole sometimes. It's okay. Never. Uh, some other wellness traps out of convenience. Here, get this Lunchable. It's got the perfect amount of food and nutrients in it for you. Maybe not Lunchable. It's really yeah, terrible. That's a horrible example of but, wellness. But like, here's this Nutrigrain bar. Only eat one. That's the serving size. It's convenient. Oh, no. Any of the bars. That's what we talk about. The aisle, the grocery store aisle of bars, like energy bars, protein bars, Blah, 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 bars. Probably wellness bars. Yeah, just wellness. And then, of course, any of the other traditional way that you stay healthy and well is you medicate. Any illness that you've got, any chemical imbalance in your system, you medicate it. Put some drugs in your body because that's going to be the way to solve the problem. On the flip side, like while some people are like, yeah, what's wrong with medicine if you're ill? Holistic wellness has its own set of traps. Yeah, we're talking about the extremes here. So on the other extreme of being into holistic health or and, and you're not taking any medications. <laughs> yeah, or more of the natural remedies, homeopathic. homeopathy. What is, what is that word? I just say homeopathic. Homeopathy. Okay. The homeopathic remedies, you know, the that natural cure because medicine is bad. Yeah, it's just one extreme or the other. Can't we just meet in the middle, people? No, I've never been a part of one of these, but Jen, can you please remind me what I should be getting out of my essence drops when I put them through a diffuser or something? What mixes? Well, you can heal any illness. Is it doTERRA? With essential oils. Oh, yes. That's it. <laughs> anything, anything. Yeah, yeah. No, everything from skin issues to allergies to cancers to PMS to... Gastrointestinal issues. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Shoot, where were my essential oils last week when I had the stomach flow? <laughs> oh, right. Uh, and of course, I'm guessing you're saying that tongue-in-cheek because... Listen, I like a little essential oils in my life here and there in a diffuser. It makes the air smell good. But I I don't believe that essential oils can cure cancer. You know what I'm saying? There's a balance there. I, I think I use them more for, hey, this peppermint does open up my sinuses a little bit when I sniff it. <laughs> yes, kind of like smelling salts. <sighs> yeah. So this other holistic wellness trap, whether it's religious or natural or whatever, people of the earth. We actually have seen people, and this is not indicative of the entire religion, but Christian scientists have been known to avoid hospitals and blood transfusions and things like that. And there are other religions that do likewise. We visited a Christian scientist church in college. And I mean, I don't want to bash anything, but I visited places. One, that place smelled. So bad. It smelled like... (laughs) People were dying, like corpses. It reminded me more of like an old folks' home. Aw. Which, if you've been in some of those 
homes, it doesn't have the greatest smell. Right, right. I think we've mentioned this this example before, but we'll just quickly tell you, remind you that there were people in that sanctuary with missing limbs. And there was a lady a couple rows in front of us with a huge goiter on her neck. Things that probably if they went to the hospital, like maybe they wouldn't have had to lose that leg. Maybe they could get that goiter removed. And we're not in any way medical professionals here. It just seems like it could have been different. I don't mean to condescend on these people's choices or their religion. That is not the point. It's just when you go to certain extremes to find wellness that doesn't seem to work like it should, you should question that. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. So if by prayer you're not able to remove the goiter, perhaps God would want you to use your brain to question that and ask yourself, should I go into a medical professional to have this checked out? Right. Quick story, Christian story here. There's a person who's drowning. Is this a real story? Is this one of those like scenarios? It's a scenario for sure. Okay. It could be real. I don't know. I've never heard of that as a real story. Person's, you know, drowning. They're praying, God, please send me some help. So someone comes by in a boat. Hey, do you, do you need some help? And the person driving goes, no, 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 I got it. God's, God's got me. Go along. Like, <laughs> That's like, what was that movie? Was it Bruce Almighty with Jim Carrey? And he's like, oh, I just wish God would send me a sign. And a truck rolls by full of signs. Yes. So it goes on three times over. This person does not take the help that's offered him to stop from drowning. Eventually drowns. Gets to heaven, presumably heaven. Has this conversation with God. What well, God, why didn't you save me? He's like, buddy, I sent you a ship. I sent you this. I, I even sent you a whale like Jonah. You just wouldn't take it. <laughs> Let's talk about numbers. Just what I wanted to talk about. How do numbers relate to wellness? Well, the by and large of it, literally the large of it, is that healthcare in general, as we have it, as we have developed it as a civilization across the globe, works for or is best for most people. Again, that's where I take these anecdotes and these other crazy stories. They are just anecdotes, and that might have worked for them. It's, it's like the COVID vaccine. Yes. For most people, it works. For a few people, it doesn't work. I mean, it's a utilitarian approach, healthcare, isn't it? Yes. It's a utilitarian approach. They're going to do what is going to help the most people. And there are unfortunately going to be people that medicines and vaccines don't work for or even have negative effects on. Right, but that's the law of large numbers, that these probabilities and these statistics that we have, this is what works most often for most people. Even if the loudest voices in your head are these anecdotes, like, oh, don't vaccinate your kids because it's going to give them autism. That could have happened. But in the large majority of people, it doesn't. Those anecdotes are still illogical. And if I choose not to vaccinate my kid, I don't want them getting polio. So there are reasons that we choose to get our kids vaccinated so they don't get whooping cough or polio or whatever. 
based on the law of large numbers. Yes. And then there are still some that I will readily admit we did not take or have the eye ointment to prevent gonorrhea or other sexually transmitted diseases for our our babies. We didn't because we didn't think that was going to be an issue for a while. Right, right. So, and we also knew that neither of us. Yeah, we didn't have, we don't have that. Right. So, that's, there are choices you can make, well informed choices that you can make. We're not saying don't do that. Just know that healthcare in general is, by and large, the best for the most. And so, we want our wellness based on science or based on some studies or any research, anything but someone peddling some MLM product to you at some party. All right, so I'm going to give you a very quick basis for how you test it or what you would ask yourself. Karl Popper did this in the early 20th century. Something that's scientific needs to be falsifiable, verifiable, and testable. That means if you can't think of it being false, if it can't be a falsified statement, it can't be tested, and therefore you can't verify it. So... Let me give you an example. Yeah, that would be good because you're saying a lot of words here. I had a student say that BTS, she's part of that uh, Korean group ARMY fan base. BTS is the best music group in the world. Okay. Now, could that statement be false? Yes. Is it really testable? Not sure. So could you verify if they are the best? Sounds like an opinion to me. Maybe if you had a rubric. I'm not even going to allow that here. I'm just saying that... First of all, see if your statement can even be proven false, because not if it can be proven true, it's if it can be proven false. Let's go with another example. The moon is made of cheese. Now, putting aside any of your beliefs on the moon landing itself, let's just talk about is it falsifiable? Yes, you could theoretically go to the moon, pick up some of the moon, and taste it and see if it's cheese or not. That is a scientific statement. It might not be true, but you can see how it's falsifiable. If you're getting wellness information that is not falsifiable, please do not listen to it. So what would be an example for some, let's just take the essential oils curing uh, throat cancer. Let's just take that for an example. How would that be falsifiable? Well, you could show that it doesn't cure throat cancer and then you have, could be false. Okay, so you're saying that, and it's like, uh, duh, right? Okay. But but here's the thing. Here's the thing that, that lures us in. We go to this essential oils party, and they have a story, an anecdote, of someone they knew who had throat cancer, and they took, I don't know, I'm making all of this up, but like they took thieves oil, essential oils, and like administered it orally or blah, 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 and their throat cancer went away. Well, first of all, correlation does not prove causation. So it could have been something completely other than the essential oils that just happened to happen to cure the throat cancer. But these stories are so powerful. As humans, we love stories. And you go to these parties and it's this emotional story. And sometimes, you know, these people get emotional talking about it because they see it as just miraculous. We also love miracles. And so we buy into it, and it's like this one out-of-context anecdote against all this other, you know, falsifiable, verifiable, testable, like, research. Right, and that research, keep in mind, could include this person who tried essential oils, but 
when you do research, you want it to be repeatable. Uh, that's the whole verifiable. So you've tested it, but you verify it through repeated testing. So sure, when I mention the moon, you might only go there once or twice, but that's not really why we're talking. I mean, I don't really want to prove anything about the moon being made of cheese. That's not what we're talking about. But what we are talking about is pseudoscience and how we get lured in to pseudoscience because we love the stories, we love the miracles, and you know, sometimes it does have a religious spin on it too, of like the power of prayer and miraculously being healed of cancer. It's like the doctors didn't know what happened and blah, blah, blah. We love these stories. We are just reminding you to be careful with those because also the stories can give you a real false sense of hope. It's like, well, it worked for them, so I'm going to you know, use it for me or I'm going to use it for my mom and then it doesn't work. And then we're kind of in this tailspin of like, wait, what happened? Yeah. And something else that I've probably mentioned here, but I definitely mentioned in my class that numbers, numbers never lie. People do. And so even as we're saying this, like question this, I have my own skepticism about the whole cancer industry because money talks and carries a lot of weight and there's a lot of money in the cancer industry. And so I have some skepticism. I just do. But ultimately, numbers never lie. People do. So I try to base most of my judgments in the law of large numbers. So bringing this back around to end on a positive note, <laughs> you know, wellness is not some enemy. It's a good thing. I think it's just been twisted around. It's turned into an industry because, you know, people are innovators and they're looking to profit and they're they're finding ways to do so. So Obviously, they're going to figure out how to profit out of this wellness industry. So we know that. Let's be aware of it. Maybe let's look at things in our lives that we can do for our own wellness that are are simple and maybe free or very cheap. We don't have to buy into, well, we have to get a gym membership in order to be healthy. We don't have to buy into that. We don't have to get a Peloton to be able to be healthy. <laughs> you can ride a bike outside. Those things are so expensive. <laughs> and if you're listening right now and you have one, I mean, okay. But wow, uh, <laughs> but I don't know what else to say. You're saying okay, but you don't mean okay. Uh, but anyway, these are usually good things. Maybe Be for my wellness, I can work on not judging people as much. I don't know. For my mental wellness. That would probably help. That would. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But even recently, it was yesterday or the day before, the New York Times posted a whole slew of wellness practices. Yes, they were called non-negotiables, like rituals, wellness rituals that people practiced every day. So it ranged all the way from one person would stand on her head to get through a problem that she was dealing with. <laughs> She'd get upside down and that gave her better perspective. <laughs> that. There were simple ones like, hey, I always have a Danish with coffee in the morning because that's what my grandpa did. And I think the list goes on with a lot of other things that this was a more of a mental wellness thing. What do you do to stay sane? Right, right, right. And one person was just, I hold my cat every evening for an hour. And then they had links to lots of other wellness articles that they've, they've published and things like that. But generally good things to do are be aware of your diet. That can affect your wellness. Yeah, and I guess I'll say it again. I've said it a lot, but make sure you're getting at least eight hours of sleep every night. <laughs> you know, make your body work hard sometimes. Physical exertion is good for not only your body, but your mind as well. Yeah, and that's balance. You don't want to go to the extreme. 
of running a marathon tomorrow when you haven't trained for it. But physical exertion is a good thing. <laughs> the, the marathon. That was my friend. He My friend, We I had signed up for the marathon with another friend. We went to the LA Expo for the marathon and he decided to sign up when he was there. Oh my gosh, that is the worst idea. No training, took him over six hours. He, oh. couldn't, he couldn't walk for the next day. It was great. Uh, <laughs> is that Mike? That was Slap, yes. Mike Simpson, everyone. That was great. He did it. He did it, folks. <laughs> you uh, guys are waiting so long for him to finish. <laughs> we, we had finished two and a half hours earlier. It's oh like, my gosh. It was ridiculous. <laughs> But some other usually good things, you hear this, go out, get into nature. There's a reason why you take a retreat and you get away from the hustle and bustle of normal life and you have cleaner air. Oh, yeah. One of the rituals that someone mentioned was they would take, gosh, I don't remember how long, 20 to 60 minutes and sit on their patio and bird watch. We're not to that point yet, but Jen is getting there. (laughs) Jen is getting there with those hummingbirds. Yes, I love my hummingbirds. Anyway, it usually provides a way to clear the mind, give you space and time to think. And those things that we've mentioned are usually simple and free. Yeah, yeah. So you don't need to go overboard buying products or memberships or... Jane Fonda videos. My mom had Jane Fonda videos. (laughs) And Suzanne Summers, did she have the... Listen, my mom had a Jane Fonda video on a VHS, but after the Jane Fonda workout was a Care Bears movie. And so my neighbor and I would always want to watch the Care Bears movie. So we would have to fast forward through the Jane (laughs) Fonda exercise video. (laughs) Let me tell you, that is funny watching Jane Fonda exercise video in fast forward with like the leg lifts and everything. Oh, and like the pelvic lifts. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. It was so funny. We have strayed. We We have strayed. All that to say, Oscar Wilde had a wonderful quote (laughs) way back when. He said, everything in moderation, including moderation. We are Red Weather Christians. I'm Steve. And I'm Jen. We hope you'll feel empowered to question the rules you follow. Fear mediocrity. And keep the conversation going.